Andrew, uh, are you uh, a mystery hunt participant? I am, yes. Talk about that at length. Uh, okay, are you recording? Like, is this part of the podcast? Yeah, this is yeah. part of the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Clash of the Typings. Who cares? We're talking about the mystery hunt. <laughs> mystery hunt! Mystery hunt. Um, the mystery hunt, uh, are you, I'm going to pretend you're not familiar with the mystery hunt so that I can talk about it at length. The mystery hunt is a longstanding MIT tradition, um, in which large teams gather at MIT and undergo a, uh, weekend long, uh, ritual excoriation in which they're forced to solve puzzles for 48 hours straight. Um, it's a huge amount of fun. It's actually one of the reasons that the puzzle community Actually, it's kind of like th- there is such a thing as the international puzzle community, and it does kind of have a focus in Boston. Uh, there are a lot of puzzle teams that are based here, and as a result, there are other annual puzzle events like uh, th- that happen, like uh, Baffle, the Boston area puzzle uh, hunt league, and Dash, which is um, happens worldwide but has a, a large Boston presence. And so, it's kind of a an awesome place to be if you like hanging around with people and solving puzzles. Um, it also means that uh, the, the thing about having a puzzle community that's like really focused is that, much like the IS community, they develop off in, in strange directions which become incomprehensible to the rest of the world. Yes. So uh, we have team meetings sometimes to, to plan things, and someone says, well, you know, we're just going to wind up spending all of our time on the fish cryptic. And everyone laughs. Yeah. And you don't laugh because you have no idea what no. I'm talking about. Yeah. But this is a thing. The fish cryptic has become a thing. It's a horrible memory from before I even joined the team. Um, there are there are conventions on puzzle solving that are that just take a few years to get used to. Um, as, as I say, it is kind of comparable to interactive fiction. Like there's stuff that you just wouldn't know to try mm. unless yeah. you've done three or four of these and watch other people do them. Yeah, I think cryptics are a great example of that in general. Um, that's the thing, you know. Cri- standard cryptics are not a mystery hunt thing. Variety cryptics are a mystery hunt thing. Uh, I have one here. I, I let me pull it out of where it is. This is something that uh, one of the people on my team wrote. Um, uh, he's a Star Wars-themed cryptic, which starts, Certain entries in this puzzle reflect that ongoing duality. One of the squares is in play between two equally matched entities. In clues for these entries, the word play admits the contended square and only one definition is present. And the other definition is hiding in clues for another entry. And then it goes on for another six paragraphs like that. Uh, uh, that's what we find fun. <laughs> 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 What's your team? Uh, my team is called Illegal, Immoral, and Fattening. Oh, okay. oh, oh, you're with J-Mac. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, J-Mac has sort of uh, oh, right. yeah, drifted away from mystery hunting. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do, too. I mean, it, it's a stressful thing, and I don't do it every year, but I'm doing it this year. Cool. Cool. I'm gonna Jenny, are you doing it this year? I, I can't really remote this year, I don't think, because I, for some reason I decided it was a good idea to take five credits of undergrad oh. college classes in three weeks so i don't there's know if i'm gonna have time to the, remote much there's like nine bad ideas in that one <laughs> sentence yeah. 
<laughs> no, it was. I was, I was telling somebody on Twitter, like it's it's kind of fun how much of a bad idea this was. <laughs> and how how clever of you to put off having all your stupid undergraduate ideas until you were an adult. Uh huh. <laughs> um, Jenny and I. Jenny got me on uh, Kevin Simmons' team, name of which is Death and Mayhem. Death and Mayhem. Okay. The Project Electric Mayhem merged with Death from Above. Yeah, I I don't I haven't I don't know other teams well enough to keep track of all the mergers and splits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really but, either. No. You know, there are there are people that I know who have been doing mystery hunts since you know fifteen years ago, and they're like they can reel off long lists of oh yeah you know Mayhem joined this and that and random and you know the forty seventh iteration of random split with palindrome and then there was an explosion and <laughs> yeah and it, it you know caught fire in tanks of the swamp um, and I just sit there listening and on thinking do you have all of this in a wiki somewhere I wish I want to see that. <laughs> that- yeah, I, I don't think the wiki is actually the the right kind of space for it because um, it would have to treat these discrete these uh, teams as discrete entities where it sounds like they merge into each other. So I would rather have a huge flowchart. I would like to hear this um, played by a bard in a tavern, <gasps> uh, accompanied by a mandolin, um, narrated by Carrie Elwes. Yes. One hundred percent that. Well, I'll see what I can do. Okay. I've just confirmed that I am not able to make that happen. Okay. Um, what if we change the mandolin to a ukulele? Uh, I can make one element of that happen. Great. We are one element closer than we were before. Um, so, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. When do we start recording? You you haven't been recording any of this, have you? Um, I what? I started no. recording when Ryan told me to start recording. Yeah. I've been recording the whole time. Yeah. Like the recording See, started when I got on the call. Right. Secretly I have too. That was a joke. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Nobody, nobody understands my medication. It was subtle. It was really subtle. This is going to be a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, you have written, uh, every interactive fiction game, is that correct? Um, I used to have written every interactive fiction game, but now Emily Short has written them all. Okay. Oh, okay. We should, um, introduce our guest for the listeners who have no idea who we're talking to yet. Unless Why didn't you read, read the episode, episode description? <laughs> you it's true. It's an idiot. idiot. I was in a hurry. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm Maybe? judging the actual listener. Not a hypothetical listener. Maybe our podcast listeners, and maybe not all of them, can read. That's so tragic. It really is. It does explain why they're listening to a podcast about interactive fiction, though. (laughs) There's a certain logic. Hi, uh, my name is Andrew Pluckin, and I I used to have written every IF game ever. (laughs) Hi, Andrew Um, Pluckin. I was briefly famous for interactive fiction back in 1997. I think you still are, um, yeah. Well, these days I'm famous for having been famous in interactive fiction back in 1987. Oh, okay. Is that what it says in the first paragraph of your Wikipedia article? (laughs) I never read the first paragraph. I never read my Wikipedia article. I 
remembered halfway into that sentence that you do have a Wikipedia article. Wikipedia article. If I had a Wikipedia article, that would be all I did all day, was just read oh, my yeah. Wikipedia article. The problem is that every time I think about my Wikipedia article, I remember the fact that it has my birthday in it, uh-huh. which means that an entire sector of uh, uh, security questions is just totally down the chute. Oh. <laughs> right. You know, people ask me, for confirmation, what is your birthday? And I'm like... Look, you can look it up online. <laughs> Google me. You should just make up a fake birthday to tell your bank and all the other institutions. And then you just have to remember what it is. And that I you could did do that. that, but if they find out that I'm lying, then they take away all my money. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, new plan. Take all of your money out of the bank. Keep it in your mattress. And don't tell your mattress I- when your birthday is. <laughs> That's actually excellent. Hang on, let me make, let me write that down. Yeah, um, we can we can pause while you drive down to the bank with a couple of pillowcases. Um, I, I will I will take care of that later. Okay. Well, great. no, we'll we'll circle swipe. <laughs> right. And now that's good been job. Done. Yeah, and that's the wording. Exciting. There were complications, but I think it's all been sorted out. Uh, I'm distracted oh, no. by Andrew's Wikipedia article. I'm reading oh, it right now. What's so it say? Does the Gulp cool? API has made possible the cre- creation of universal translator interpreters such as Gargoyle, a single <laughs> program capable of running all interactive fiction <gasps> formats. All of them? Not entirely true, but um, I am become gargoyle. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I oh am God. become gargoyle, interpreter of interactive fiction, <laughs> as played by Carrie Elwes. Um, um, that's yeah, that's pretty close. Mm. Which is more than you can say for most Wikipedia sentences. Yes, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe was a homosexual. I don't think so. No, but someone on Wikipedia once did. Hmm. I wonder why he married his cousin. So nobody suspected he was a homosexual. Oh, okay. That's the perfect cover. Andrew, what are we playing on the cast today? We are playing a game uh, called Bigger Than You Think. Yay! Which I wrote in... I wrote, actually, for the uh, 2012 Yuletide fanfic competition... It is fanfic. It, it is XKCD fanfic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a fanfic of that one comic that was like a really big image. Yes. He's done. He is. He is. Uh, there. There have since been other XKCDs which are really big images, but this was the original really big image XKCD, um, whose title I forget now. Was it called? Was it the one called Space, or am I thinking of something else? It's called Bigger Than You Think Zero, the prequel. Right. That is is what it was called. Anyway. Was Space um, the one about, was Space the one with the 500 most common words, or was that called something else? I don't remember any XKCD titles. Uh. Sorry. Anyway. (laughs) So, um, this randomly came up, uh, I don't know if you know how, how Yuletide works, but you sign up to, um, to, to write stories or whatever, whatever you feel like doing for uh, 
for whichever uh, sort of stories or media or authors you feel like, and then you get randomly assigned a, a small list of them that, and to do. And I was assigned, I, I signed up for a, you know, a list of things that I thought were kind of interesting and that would not involve me writing porn because I'm never going to write porn. <laughs> um, you say that now. Yeah. I, I do say that now. It's the kind of thing where when you tell I, your New Year's resolution to people, it means it's not going to happen. Uh, I've been saying I will not write porn for 10 years now, and so far I have an excellent record of not, not writing porn. Anyway, I was assigned um, uh, the, the XKCD strip and also uh, some other things, including Invisible Cities. So oh. I wrote something which is mostly an XKCD riff, but uh, also has some some um, uh, Italo Calvino riffs. All right. It is, well... Uh, do we start doing it? How do we do this? Let's start the game. Right. I will start the game. I will begin. So this is a, a choice-based game, meaning that there are hyperlinks. You can you know, actually... I could type the hyperlinks, but it will be... First of all, my keyboard is very noisy, so you don't want to hear that. Um, I think we do, though. Like, try typing something out. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, let me tell you, the Matthias Tactile Pro, the noisiest keyboard ever. <laughs> I love it. I've got like four of them. That's great. <laughs> Do you ever type on all four of them at once with your eight arms? <laughs> no, but that's a good idea. That would sound amazing. Yeah, no, I I command you to type in mm -hmm. all of these with your this isn't keyboard. Clash of the Clickapons, right? Understood. I apologize for my presumptory. <laughs> Okay. Forgiven. <clears throat> Bigger Than You Think. Bigger Than You Think is a choice-based interactive narrative. Every few paragraphs, you will have the opportunity to decide what happens in, next in the story. Type one of the bold-faced words, or click on it, to select an <laughs> option. You may return to the beginning of the story by typing start. This option is always available. Note that this game has an autosave feature. If you quit and then start a new session, it should pick up where you left off. Bigger Than You Think. An Interactive Riff by Andrew Plotkin, release for serial number 130101, inform 7 build 6060, i6-v6.32, lib 612n, After descending into the earth, said Marco Polo to the Khan, you seek through long, silent passages of stone. Your helmet's dim illumination presses back the dark, but does not break it. Darkness falls in your footsteps and obliterates them. You descend chasms, you crawl through low chambers. Occasionally you see a discarded scrap or a bootprint in the mud, for these tunnels are not uninhabited, but you leave these signs undisturbed and add few of your own. Companionship on the journey is not what you seek. Silence, the unchanging textures of stone lull you. You push ahead into the dark, but your mind wonders. Did the children of Atalante explore heroes you do? Did they lose themselves, fade into shadow? You come to yourself at a chimney's precipitous lip. Not so peaceful an end had you stumbled. Will you climb upwards or downwards? What do we think, Ryan? I think upwards. Sure. You press yourself between the shoulders of stone, said Marco Polo, and begin working your way up the shaft. Your progress is slow, measured in the ache of your back and the strain of your thighs. After timeless time, you pass a hollow in the chimney wall, an opening into a passage that stretches out of sight. Will you enter the passage or continue climbing? Okay. I think we continue climbing. Okay. 
What were you going to say, Jen? I was going to say, I'm kind of tired of climbing, like my back hurts, but we can keep going if you I want. I think my thighs ache, but... <laughs> climbing it is. You push upwards and upwards through a shaft which is sometimes too wide to span and occasionally almost too narrow to pass your shoulders. You are nearly exhausted when something rough brushes your face. A rope? No, a tree root. You must be nearing the surface. You haul yourself up onto a, uh, a wide root chamber and flop full length onto the knobbly floor. Would you like to hear a story? asked the shaven-headed young monk. You sit up so fast you, know, you knock your helmet off. The strange figure is sitting calmly at the back of the chamber, wrapped in a yellow robe and a sporty climbing harness. I came down here to seek out the origins of the Lost Ones, the monk adds. You open your mouth, but can get nothing out. Is everyone in the world on the same quest? The monk raises an eyebrow, then continues, I have found a little value in this chamber, a few tablets, but I couldn't make a head or tail of them, so... An airy gesture in the direction of the open pit behind you. I hope you weren't in the shaft when I... No? That's all right, then. You shudder. <laughs> Perhaps then we should pool our knowledge. Will you ask about the lost city of Uabar in the desert or Atalante in the reaches of the sea? I'll let, uh, 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 go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Atalante. Um, it, uh, uh, sorry. No, I was telling Jenny to pick. No, oh, oh, right. sorry. You, yeah, you let's, picked. let's do yeah, Atalante. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you think that. <laughs> when your ship approaches Atalante, the monk begins, the sea appears empty, perhaps bluer, brighter than the remote Atlantic depths might warrant. You will not see Atalante's black sand shores unless you know the way, the tide, and the path of sunlight which leads inward to them. The masters of the island have a duty of privacy to their people, and they hold it rigorously. But you do know the way, and so you return home. Now you stand in the Queen's Square, lingering after the morning's ritual of attendance. The place will soon fill with a more cheerful, cheerful crowd, people drifting in to sit, meet friends, eat lunch, or all three. But you relish the moments of quiet. Will you approach the sealed doors of the temple, or go down to the bustling markets? Now, Jenny, pick for real. I think bustling markets sound good. Okay. Down. You descend the curving streets to the great market of Atalante. The smells of street wagon coffee and hot frying fish strike you like, like there is nothing that they're like. This is home. You look over a table of fireworks, toys that they would terrify the primitive continentals you've just spent months among. Terrifying them, though, is not the goal. It is power that Atalante requires, power for the great engines and the greater ones which must be built. Whether that power can come from the rare ores or rock pitch or other sources yet unknown, this is what you have spent your life trying to discover. Perhaps the answer does not lie in the remote continents. The fire dowsers have begun speaking of power from the earth, the notion of rekindling the volcanic fires that once built Atalante from the sea floor. Dangerous, surely, but if it can be done, you have become weary of travel. But these are idle thoughts. Will you look at the flare or the smoke tube in the fireworks tray? Or if the markets are of no more interest, you may start the story from the beginning. Hmm. Let's do the thing where we don't start over. <laughs> Let's the look flare at the or flare the smoke thing. The flare. Yeah, we might need that. <clears throat> the merchant nods. That will burn with a clean, bright light, even underwater. Very practical. You take it and pass over a slip of silver. Ah. Good, we had money. <laughs> Good for us. Same options remain. Flare or smoke tube or start the story over. Smoke tube? 
crack that and we'll create enough smoke to fill half of the Queen's Square. Not that you should do it in the square, of course. You return his wink and purchase the tube. Okay. Great. I feel good about this. Yeah. So, uh, when we start the story over, we'll have the thing still? Is that what's going on? Start. You begin again. After descending into the earth, said Marco Polo to the Khan, you seek through long, silent passages of stone. And I will skip over the repeated text, but bling, 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 bling. You come to yourself as a chimney's precipitous lift. Not so peaceful at end, and you stumble. Do you climb upwards or downwards? You have equipped yourself for this journey with a flare and a smoke tube. Yes. Hey. All right. All right. So, so we need to um, remember that that flare works underwater. Okay. Because I feel I'll, like that's a hint. Uh, let's go somewhere underwater as soon as possible so that we don't have to try to remember. <laughs> okay. Should we go down then? Yeah. Uh, water is down. Water's usually down. Because it's down. one of the heavier elements. If water's up, you've got problems. Oh, yeah. Unless you're in the shower, I guess. You slide into the pit and begin lowering yourself carefully from ledge to ledge. The stone is cool and slick. A torrent must once have poured down this chimney, though now only dripping moisture remains. Caverns measureless to man? Indeed. After uncounted subterranean time, you pass a gaping crack, an opening into a twisting side canyon. The pit continues to descend, but the walls grow wider and smoother, and you are not certain of your safety. A steel crowbar is caught crossways in the shaft here, no doubt dropped by an earlier explorer somewhere above. Will you explore the canyon, take the crowbar, or continue climbing down? Oh, we need that crowbar. Oh, yeah. It's a crowbar, but you take it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You give the crowbar a tentative tug. It comes easily free. You were not. You were wise not to put your weight on it. You suppose. <laughs> Canyon or climbing down? Um, more down. Down. Another stretched step downwards, groping for ledges with your toes. Then another. Then another. Until slick stone shrugs your foot away. Now you are plunging through the darkness, which roars at you and blurs past your flailing hands. Oh, oops. Uh-oh. Somewhere below is the end of your journey. Such a thing should not be spoken of, lest one decide that life has yielded up its last marvel. Shall we instead start the story from the beginning? Is that the only choice? Uh, mm, you also have a flare, a crowbar, and a smoke tube. Oh. Uh, I feel like those objects are useful in other contexts. Yeah. So we will uh, let them be, uh, well, we will restart, yes. Yes. Start. Mm. You begin again. Mm. You seek through long, dark, long, silent passages of stone. Mm. Will you climb upwards or downwards? You have equipped yourself for this journey with a flare or smoke tube and a handy crowbar. So we want to go down and then to the canyon, right? Yeah, let's do that. Down. You will explore the canyon. You lever your body through the crack and leave the chimney behind. The canyon doglegs wildly, but never very tightly, and with a slow, steady descent. After a time, the passage stops at a tall, crude, but clearly hand-carved marble door, set deeply into the wall. Lines of petroglyphs spiral around its face. To either side of the door, smaller cracks lead away. Will you examine the carvings, try to open the locked door, or continue to the left or the right? Let's examine so, the carvings. 
I was about to say, hmm. can we deviate from the choices and examine the carvings? But then that turned out to be one of the choices. <laughs> Anticipated. Yeah. Yes. Mm, carvings? Yes, please. Carvings. The carvings are pictorial. They show a circle of hands approaching a larger circle cut with intricate boundaries. And if you had any doubt of your mark, they are now dispelled, for these outlines are continental. It is the earth which the circle of hands approaches. The map is not precise, or no, it is. You make out the thickened land masses of the last ice age, 20,000 years past. Whatever the story, these inscriptions do not reveal the end of it. Smaller circle shatters and hand outlines drift down like snowflakes across the world. That's a bummer. Um... Yeah, worrying. Um, I'm right to be worried, right? Maybe. I don't know. I wrote this a while ago. I don't remember how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were the choices? So we could mm. try to... Try to open the locked door or take the left or right crack. Uh, we'll try to open that door because we have the master open. key. You mean a crowbar? You push and tug, yeah. but the door does not move at all. Upon closer inspection, you see a keyhole by the door's edge. Apparently, this will not be a matter of main force. Oh, okay. Okay, that's a pretty clear hint. Should we take the left or right crack? Uh, I prefer left because it's the best hand. <laughs> okay. Left. The narrow passage rises slightly as it runs. You turn sideways to slip between the limestone formations and continue your progress. When green light begins seeping into the canyon somewhere ahead, you are disoriented. Surely you have not ascended so far to the surface. But you press forward, and the illumination soon reveals your confusion as you step free into a wide, round space, the bottom of a deep sinkhole. Far above, foliage burns viridian in the distant circle of daylight. Huh. A rope sprawls in ungainly coils across the floor of the sinkhole. No doubt some explorer once descended this way, but the return route has become dislodged. Will you attempt to climb, gather up the rope, or start the story over? We definitely need that rope. Yeah. You seem to have the instincts of interactive fiction players. <laughs> you coil up the rope and stow it away. Now I think we should try to climb because I have an inkling that it will force us to start over. Climb. The sinkhole walls are smooth and slightly overhung. You might be able to climb a few meters here or there, but certainly not the sinkhole's entire height. Oh. Hmm. Um, Do we have anything useful? Flare, crowbar, smoke, to rope. Can we try the rope? That would try the try the rope. The rope is at the bottom of the sinkhole with you, so it won't help you ascend. Hey. Oh, oh. So theoretically, if we found the top of the sinkhole, we could tie the rope. Um. Yeah, but then we'd already be at the top of the sinkhole. Oh, that's true. And then we wouldn't. <laughs> you have a good point. <laughs> Um, can I combine <laughs> the rope with the crowbar to create a grappling hook? No. No, that would <laughs> I like how you didn't even type it in. Well, this is, this is not a parser game. Like, it doesn't accept... If you uh, type more than one word, it says single words, you moron. <laughs> more politely than that. Type in a bunch of words. I want to see what it says. <laughs> this game does not accept IF-style commands such as go north or take lamp. Type a single word to select one of the boldface options. Moron. Okay. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Last episode we talked about how the player is always chuckles. Right. I didn't want to say that the player is always chuckles. <laughs> well, when some players are room. chuckles. <laughs> Somehow chuckles are drawn to J-Mac. <laughs> Ryan. Too true. <laughs> okay. Well, do we need to start over, Ryan? I um, suppose. Yes, I think you do. Start. Meaning thing. After descending into the earth, long silent passages of stone. Upwards or downwards, you have a flare, a smoke tube, a handy crowbar, and a coil of rope. Should I we? think we should go down and then to the canyon and then right this time. Right? Yeah. Down. Canyon. I was going to phrase that as right. the less best hand. That's correct. <clears throat> I do not support that synonym, but I'll <laughs> consider it for the next Did you know that left-handed people are Smug presidents? about it? And warriors? <laughs> and warrior poets? <laughs> and warrior presidents? Did you know that left-handed people <laughs> control all ideas? <laughs> Which is unfortunate because of all of the stuttering. <laughs> mm. Continue to the right. The narrow passage descends slightly as it runs, but it slowly widens as well. You are lost in thought, making your way forward when an eerie hiss startles you nearly from your feet. You look back, but the canyon behind you is thick with shadow. There, an oblong shape moves somewhere beyond the range of your helmet lamp. It hisses again. It glides towards you. Will you turn to confront the shape or flee it? Um, let's use our flare. Flare. You turn, pull the flare from your belt, and twist the cap. It bursts to life, etching the passage with blue-white light. The shape shrieks and falls backwards. You have no desire to wait and see if it recovers. You drop the flare and run. Nice. <clears throat> the flare soon winks out behind you. Only the dim glow of your helmet precedes you down the passage. The shape, whatever it was, does not reappear behind you. Fled, stunned, or set on fire, you don't care as long as it stays away. The tunnel runs long, and you fall back into your meditated stroll. And then you are startled out of it as your lamp light is thrown back by a polished curve of metal. You move forward, picking the shape out of the cavernous darkness. It is wide, lenticular, ten feet high, perhaps fifty across. In fact, it is the archetypical flying saucer. Only it could never have flown, not down here, in a natural space barely larger than the saucer's hull. But is it the saucer that landed here, or the archetype? You see the outline of a hatch or portal in the broad metal underbelly. It's a thin group, however, barely, vis barely visible. The only possible means of access is a shape etched in the center of the portal, the outline of a human hand. Will you touch the panel? Sure, why not? What happens if we don't? Um, you have a smoke tube, a rope, and a crowbar, or oh, you can okay. start over. <laughs> yeah, we'll touch the panel. Yeah, I don't want to get another flare. You press your hand against the outline. The metal is cave cool and then electric hot for just a moment. You snatch your hand back, but you're unharmed. From somewhere within the saucer, a voice echoes in no language you've ever heard. There's a pause. The question is repeated. <laughs> You say your name for lack of any better idea, but it provokes no response. Unless you have some other notion, we'll have to start the story over. Oh, man. Okay. I guess we need... Maybe we should go talk to that monk and check out the city in the desert. Oh, true. 
Or go to the temple in uh, whatever that other city was. Mm. Um, uh, let's return to the monk and right. go to the temple in whatever city that was. Anandanandana. Okay. Anandanandana. Start over. Begin again. Um, at this point, you have a smoke tube, a handy crowbar, and a coil of rope. The flare has been used. So you go upwards. Um, you continue climbing. You speak to the monk. And lost city of Uabar in the desert or Adelante? Adelante. 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 Sorry, there's a there's a garbage truck outside, so it's a bit noisy. That's legit. Yeah. I support garbage trucks. Yeah, they take your... my opponent, Jenny, has been known to <laughs> yell about them. Hang on. I think it's going to take my garbage. Oh, th- there's this great, like, fork device that comes out and grabs my garbage can. Ooh. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm watching this at my window. Oh, it that's grabs great. my garbage can, pulls it back, and dumps it directly into the trunk with no, with, with no uh, human interaction at all. Like it's that's tossing back good. a shot of whiskey. Yeah. yeah, no, I've never seen one of those run before. That's great. Um, All right, there's the a commercial here or somewhere where they're like, uh, here's the thing. You see this dog? Make sure there's enough room for this dog around your garbage can because that's how much room we need to pick it up with our giant evil robot claw. Huh. That's interesting that, that they used a dog. I wonder and if the dog it's... has a name and it's like, leave room for Mitzi or whatever it is. I wonder if they're trying to rehumanize themselves so that we don't realize that someday those garbage trucks are going to be picking yeah picking yeah. us up with their forks i mean i had i i i thought it was cute and fun and you just ruined it <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> no 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 the robot apocalypse the robot apocalypse is going to be cute and fun well that's good it, that's why star wars keeps training us except <laughs> robots is our cute, harmless that's all right good, adelante adelante now you stand at the Queen Square, lingering after the morning's visual attendance. The place will soon fill with a more cheerful, cheerful crowd, people drifting in to sit, meet friends, eat lunch or all three, but you relish the moments of quiet. Will you, will you approach the steel doors of the temple or go down to the bustling markets? Um, we will need to go back to the markets to get another flare, but we don't need to right now. Yeah, let's check out the temple. Yeah. I assume we'll need another flare. Uh, yeah, after we learn the snake language. Mm-hmm. You hesitantly approach the great doors. You know only what every citizen knows. Those who seek higher training may knock and be admitted or not. You have never considered for the priesthood, but years of travel to the continents have nodded suddenly into a desire for change. You raise your hand, and a panel opens silently before you can knock. The face that peers out is bland and mild, awaiting some sign, but you do not know what is expected of you. Perhaps this is just some passing whim, after all. Oh. Hmm. You can go go down to the market, use the smoke rope crowbar. Um, what did the person just do? You're just looking at mm, the face that peers out is awaiting some sign. We need to collect the inventory item that is uh, <laughs> knowing how to talk to temple guards. Yes. You are so breaking down my uh, like de- deconstructing <laughs> my. That's what we do here on Clash yeah. of the Titans. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know this would be a deconstruction thing. <laughs> what? You Shall we play games for fun? <laughs> I 
no, no, I don't think that. <laughs> we are we are interactive professionals. We have long since squeezed every nugget, every droplet of fun out of this field. We now yeah. go at it grimly and with uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so what are we doing next? Hmm. Yeah, I think maybe we just don't have what we need here, so I we might as well get another flare, I guess. Yeah. Right down to the market. And uh, talk to the dude and hand him a silver monkey for our... <laughs> wait, what was it? Silver? silver snakes. Silver snakes. Yeah. Yes. Actually, it was a slip of silver. But no, you look over a table of fireworks, <clears throat> toys that they would terrify the primitive continentals you've just in months among. Terrifying them, though, is not the goal. It is power that Avalante requires. But these are idle thoughts. You look out over the market and begin considering options for your remaining weeks at home. Shall we start the story over from the beginning? Oh, we oh. can't get another flare. So maybe it saved the I hope state. Hope that snake is still dead. Yeah. Hopefully, it saved the state on that, and we don't need to do it again. I mean, it saved the state on our flare from within the nested mer- narrative. So. A lot yeah. is possible. How does this game? How does this game rate on the UE and cruelty scale? Um, it is a merciful game. Okay. It, since, it, since I was writing it for Yuletide, I figured it would not. It would primarily not be played by IF players, but rather by you know, XKCD fans. Sure. So I was really trying to keep on the side of not, you know, freaking them out. Probably a good choice. Yeah. XKCD fans are notoriously skittish. Um, we you will. Got me there, but anyway, <laughs> anyway. So the only option here is to start over. Then let's start, let's over. start over. And now where? Should we go to the city in the desert? Yeah, let's go to the city in the desert. City in the desert. Up. It's just a full day's drive away. <laughs> Continue. I don't know what that means. Uabar. <laughs> you were born in Uabar. The monk begins. Great Uabar, the city of the towers queen of the desert. You grew in its alleys, chasing imaginary revolutionaries, rolling under palanquins to escape the dreamed pursuit of gin lords, dodging between coaches and lizard beads to delight phantom admirers. Soon you will be grown and stately walk the avenues with a modest headcloth and the mist of fountain spray brushing your face, but that day is not today. The men and women of Uabar crowd past you today, ignoring the slight form of a still child leaning on an old stone well the first well of Ulubar, which stood in the deep desert long before the people came here and built fountains and avenues and towers. You hear a commotion in the alleys as your playmates gather for yet another game, but your eyes are drawn to a nearby square. The day's debates are beginning. A stone key lies forgotten on the lip of the well. Will you pick up the key, run and climb towers with your friends, or slip into the square and hear what the citizens are discussing? Heck yeah, we're going to pick up that key. Yeah. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. You you toss the stone key a few times, nicely chunky, and then tuck it away in your purse. So here's a question. How did the key to a door in this crazy cavern wind up in Uabar? Well, this is the past, right? This is back when we were just a silly little girl. So at some point, we will drop this key down the well and... Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think it's magic. Maybe that Dora exists in the cavern because we remembered this key from our childhood and we decided we were going to build a mysterious stone door uh, that fit, yeah, with a hole that fit that key. Can you imagine in building a door that 
to fit a key? No, that's insane. Yes. That's, that's the something best. I would do in a minute. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so we got the key, and now uh, can we do anything else before we wake up to our other life? Mm, will you run and climb towers with your friends, or slip into the square and hear the discussions? Hmm. Friends. Square. What? No, I, that was my mistake. I did that one. <laughs> I'm going to uh, quickly undo that move. Okay. Did, I, did I implement undo? Yes, I did. All right. <laughs> towers. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, you meet yes. your friends, but you forgot your climbing gear at home today. Oh, the embarrassment. You resign yourself to an afternoon of napping in the shade before dinner. Hmm. Your score was a possible key out... Wait. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, that yielded nothing. Is it possible to undo and go to the square instead? Yes, it is. You don't even have to undo. The square option is still available. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Um, you climb the, the low wall and sit looking into the square. The citizens of Ulabar talk as they often talk of metal. Steel and silver and nickel, quicksilver and saltlith and skylith and the rarer alchemical metals. All the substances which are so dear in the desert, which have forced Ulabar to grow in spires of stone with only traces of precious metal within. A hortator stands and begins extolling the virtues of starfall. You have heard the word before, but now you begin to understand its import. A vision of falling fire raw ore from the sky, a bounty of metal for Urubar to mine from the sands. It is within reach if enough citizens turn their hands to the project. You are entranced and shout for the Hortator, even though your voice is not yet legally heard. In a few months it will be, and you will take study with the scholars of the paths of the heavens and working to begin solve, to solve the remaining intricacies of Starfall. It will not be easy, but will begin in your lifetime. That is another story, however. Will you start yours over from the beginning? Um, yes. Yeah, let's go unlock that door. Door, door, door. You have equipped yourself for this journey with a smoke tube, a handy crowbar, a coil of rope, and a stone key. So, which direction are you going? Okay, so that was down into the canyon? Down into the canyon. Will you examine the carvings, try to open the locked door, continue to the left or the right? You should use... The key. Clunk. You take out the stone key that you brought down into these tunnels. You slip into the, d- the door's keyhole and it turns. Click. Unlocked. A startling stroke of luck, this. Or, if your theories about the behavior of merging histories are anywhere near right, perhaps not luck at all. The door opens easily, or as easily as a ton of marble and limestone hinges could move. The chamber beyond is mostly empty, but with clear signs of human habitation. It appears to have been some sort of living space. A sleeping nook, a few carved niches for storage, one blackened recess is certainly a fireplace with, yes, a connection to a natural chimney in the rear. The only items that remain are two folded bits of leather, surprisingly supple and neatly made, or, again, perhaps not so surprising. Upon closer inspection, they appear to be shoes, quite small, perhaps a child's. Will you take the shoes? Or will you leave this trope for a paleological analysis and start the story over? I bet that's those our, shoes. Yeah, our climbing gear. Yeah. Shoes. Yeah. You pick up the leather shoes. The soles are particularly particularly rough, almost toothy. They might be shark skin. Is that rad or is it gross? Oh, I think it's kind of rad. I've never touched shark skin. I haven't either. 
Andrew, did you write the words shark skin with firsthand knowledge of what those words implied? <laughs> also, it's only one word. Uh, I did write it as only one word, and I can't, I think I have touched shark skin in a museum, but I, it, it would have been a long time ago. I just have a sort of notion of what it's like. I see. So this is an inauthentic experience. <laughs> it's like a semi-authentic. Every, like practically everything I write about. Uh, making, <laughs> ma- making stuff up. Uh, here's another question. Did you say emergent histories? Uh, merging histories. Oh, merging histories. Okay. Emergent histories are real histories because they emerge from the preceding states. Oh. So I was, I was totally thinking that that was... Uh, a clue that all of the causality in this story worked backwards. Um, so I think I was like I missed it. Run with it. That, but that would be cool. You should do that. I feel like a lot of it does work backwards. Or no, um, I don't have the brain to figure <laughs> out uh, wh- which way the causality works. So okay, let's um, just go climbing with our friends. Yeah, let's go. Wait, no. No? Oh, the climbing gear. Oh, that's the climbing gear. Oh, I thought we were going to use it in the tunnel where we slipped and fell to our death. Oh, no, I don't think it would fit our feet. Um. Well, let's use it as climbing gear okay. in our memory of little girlhood. Okay, so we will start over. We will go up, up, talk to the monk. Aren't you lucky that you had me to do all this summer, I think? Yes. Run and climb towers with your friends. Mm, you meet your friends. Mm, but you have forgotten your climbing gear at home today. And I will point out that there is, in fact, a link for shoes. Oh, type shoes. okay. Shoes. That message could be a little bit clearer. Shoes. Wait, wait, here are your climbing slippers. You had them in your purse all the time. How silly. You strap them on and leap to the tower wall, digging your toes into the seams of the stone. The day passes in a clamor of laughter and dizzy ascent. You swarm rooftops with your friends, claw your way over balustrades, sit in company, and watch the sun sink over the towers of Ulabar. What sticks in your mind, however, is a window glimpse of a chalkboard of runes. You cannot climb towers forever, and surely there are secrets deeper than the best rooftop spots to hide and scurry. Will you speak to the keeper of the runes, or shall we start the story over? We are totally going to speak to the Keeper of the Runes. Like, I, I like the idea of someone who's like, I'm not going to talk to the Keeper of the Runes. <laughs> yeah, right? i got better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> On your birthday, you will return and knock at the tower door. The Keepers will hear your plea to take study in the ancient language of the people. If you're steadfast and intent in your course, you will finish your days among their number, reading the runes while keeping an eye out for curious faces at the window. All right. So start the story from the beginning. So is that the language from the flying saucer? We no, that's the language from the the temple. Alamandador. And you have equipped yourself for this journey with a smoke tube, a handy crowbar, and a coil of rope. You have memorized the runes of Uabar. Okay. Good for. We want to go back to the monk, but this time go to the city and then to the temple. And when we knock on the door, we'll be like. So. <laughs> yeah, I speak Uabar. Adelante. Approach. No, the face that looks out is awaiting some sign, but you do not know what is expected of you. Uh, runes? 
runes Uabar. Your knowledge of the runes of Uabar will not help you here. Oh no! <sighs> what about a crowbar? Can we hit him with a crowbar? You can't think of anything to do with the crowbar here. I, I crowbar literally just isn't did. the answer to this one. <laughs> Um, then uh, maybe it is the runes from the uh, from the spaceship thing. Yeah. All right. Where the hell was the spaceship thing? That was like uh, down was canyon right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Down canyon right. Mm, you drop the flare. The shape shrieks and fall backwards. You run. Mm, you get back to the flying saucer. You see the outline of a hatch in the broad metal underbelly. Will you touch the panel? Yes. Um, a voice echoes in a language you, you have ever heard. You say your name for lack of any bite, better idea, but it provokes no further response. Unless you have some other notion, you will have to start over. I have a notion, and it's the runes <laughs> of Uabar. <laughs> that doesn't mm, nothing, is, nothing is written on the saucer. Oh, no. Well, heck yeah. Oh wait! The, uh, the written language. No, there wasn't. There were just like glyphs on the door, right? Uh, Runes are a type of glyph. That's true. So you want to go back to the door? I. Uh, it might work. Canyon carvings. The carvings are pictorial. And your knowledge of the runes of Uabar will not help you here. Then where? Okay. what is the point of the runes of Uabar? Maybe it's just right. an Easter egg, so that from now on, whenever we, if in real life, we do see the runes of Uabar. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly you will realize, you understand. I will point out that uh, there's one passage you've missed. Um, oh. When oh, going, yeah. up, going upwards towards the monk, there is a, a side passage that you have not seen. Oh, right! Right, we can stop climbing. Classic typins mistake. <laughs> yes, I can imagine it would be. All right, up. Will you enter the passage? You will enter the passage. You ease yourself back onto level stone. Happily, the passage is tall enough for you to stand. You meander through the darkness until the walls open up, a tall chamber strung with irregular columns and stalagmites. Another pit opens at your feet, but this one is impossible to descend. Its walls are featureless. However, someone has been this way before. A rough iron eye bolt has been hammered into the pit's lip. Oh. Your helmet light reflects dimly from the walls, unless that is a gleam of illumination coming from up ahead. But you can also hear water trickling somewhere off to the side. I really hope we have something we can do here. And instead of saying really hope, you might say rope for short. <laughs> and now I want to delete the thing I just said. No, don't. It's, it's, this is Radio Gold. It's, yes, absolutely. So. Rope. Rope. <laughs> you run the rope through the eye bolt and fasten it with a hitch that you don't remember the name of. You wrap the rope around yourself <laughs> and ease yourself steadily down. You know, that, that is me writing some experience. <laughs> I, I could smell it. You ease yourself steadily down the pit. You've only descended a few lanes, however, when your feet hit uh, not stone but chilly metal. The pit narrows here and someone has installed a heavy steel hatch blocking the descent. Mmm, chilly metal. This seems you like a your, crowbar job. You brace yourself on a ledge and run your fingers over the rusty metal. Is this modern workmanship showing a few years of rust or an unknown alloy of lost history just starting to decay after centuries? Will you attempt to open the hatch? 
consider its relationship to history or abandon your descent and start over? Oh, I think we need to consider its relationship to history. One might begin, one might imagine, you began your thesis, <laughs> that the impact of a foreign history onto ours would be comparable to the colonial era, era of our history. The shock of contact, then tribes of strangers, perhaps with Plessian arts or techne, spreading out into lands that we previously imagined to be our birthright, then displacement, assimilation, or slaughter. This may be so, but this is only the simplest surface of intersection. The full impact of two streams of history would be impossible for any historic observer to judge. The ramified interactions would occur up and down the linear scale of time. Legends and stories in the mythic past, artifacts embedded in the historic record, prophecies, visions, and dialectics of the expected future, new peoples in the present, or nations, or even lands or seas, all would be visible, or understood, or inferred, or presumed, by observers in every age of history. Only the intangible, inexpressible shock of difference would mark the moment of intersection in the now. That's so interesting. did you get uh, fanfic requests for XKCD, Italo Calvino, and Tlone Ukbar Orbis Tertius? Um, maybe. I don't remember the, the list. <laughs> Um, I, uh, we also have riffs, of course, to uh, Stargate Atlantis, Time Shadow Rider by Anne Maxwell. I just threw in all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay, no. Thank you for cussing on the podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no. I, like, bleeping stuff out is one of the few easy things <laughs> in the <laughs> editing process. I mean, personally, I assumed that Jenny would just be a constant string of bleeps. No, yeah, I, and that's how we started out, but yeah. now she's used to my... Now that I know that you have to, like, do a thing if I swear, it makes me not want to swear. Um, Unless... No, but it's it's fun, because I just... It's like three clicks. In that case... <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Let us continue the story. Okay, so now that we've considered this Hatch's relationship to history, let's crowbar the out of it oh no <laughs> <laughs> crowbar i'm done i'm done what you actually said crowbar you unchip your crowbar wedge it under the hatch's rim and start shoving and the hinges cough and wail but soon that uh the hatch is cracked open and it's only a few more minutes before you have enough room to pass will you descend or stop and consider the hatch's relationship to history <laughs> <laughs> i think we've had enough expounding for one day <laughs> but we're Probably. not done with our thesis yet <laughs> descend, descend. You continue your descent for a long while. Fortunately, the chimney ends before your rope does, and you emerge into light, reflecting your helmet lamp from all directions. You blink a moment, but it's not truly blinding, only startling. You peer around, glittering light and words, or pictographs, or letters, mathematical symbols for all you know. The crystal walls are ringed with them, washed with them, dripping with incomprehensible runes. This is certainly what you've been seeking, but without further knowledge of the lost peoples and their writing systems, it will take years of study to absorb the meaning of this chamber. Oh, we got that I covered. Uh. So, uh, I take it it is time for the runes. Yes! Yeah. You recognize the rune forms of the language of Uabar, but that is not the only writing system represented here. Half the symbols are unknown to you. Oh. Hmm. Heck. Yeah. 
I thought it was as easy as understanding the ruins of Uabar. <laughs> that common expression. <laughs> um, well, then, I guess we have to start over so that we can... Um, well, what else are we even missing? There were some more passages from where the uh, the, the eyeball was. Okay. Oh, okay. I propose a journey to the center of the earth, whence we will look at some of the other passages from where we saw the eyeball. <laughs> now you're you're. Okay. Um, another pit opens your feet. Um, a rough iron bolt has been hammered into the pit's lip. A rope ties to it and descends out of sight. Someone clearly has been this way before. Um, a gleam of illumination coming from up ahead. You can hear water trickling off to the side. Um, oh, yeah. Let's do water. Because we know all about how we can start a fire on the water. Except we don't have our uh, flare anymore. It's true. You follow a descending passage with the sound of water echoing somewhere ahead. You see nothing but surely, ah, here you, you round a final turn and see a dark pool ahead. It lies uh, at the foot of a carved stone wall. Water trickles down the wall's face, feeding the pool from some unknown source above. The descending stream trickles happily to itself, but the pool is oddly still and opaque. No, your headlamp picks out a faint gleam somewhere below the surface. Gold, or the eye of some cave fish, if they have eyes. Will you in examine the inscriptions or reach into the water? Let's examine the inscriptions. Just some long inscriptions. Spelling is difficult. <laughs> inscriptions? No, they're not inscriptions. Okay. The inscriptions tell, in awkward but decipherable Latin, of a war party of titans who were flung from the heavens during the gods' war against Kronos. These titans sailed around the edge of the world seven times, seeking the gates of Kronos' kingdom, but they could not be found, for all of that Ur kingdom had been sunk into the underworld. The titans dug, but beyond this, the text is unreadable. I hear the sound of pausing. Some sort of... And then there's a mail call. Right. Jenny picks up a pizza. Oh, that would be nice. She has to negotiate a tip. She begins to eat the pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, Jenny, you missed it. There were titans. Oh, there were... Sorry, I... Remember someone knocked on... I, no, I never saw that movie. Me neither. Someone delivered a package to me, and I went to retrieve it. Was there a pizza in the package? Oh, I don't think there's a pizza in the package. I Let's think do an unboxing right now. Open I, the okay, package. I'm opening the package. <laughs> I think it's the copy of the first season of Rick and Morty that I ordered for my sister and her husband. Yes, it is. As a late Christmas present. Good. Mystery solved. Yeah. Yes. So there were Titans. Thank you for joining us. On there were Clash there were Latin Latin inscriptions about Titans. Okay, yeah. and they sailed around the world seven times looking for the, their baby. Yes. Okay. Ish. <laughs> Close enough. Um. Anyway, the only remaining option is to start over or reach into the water. Let's reach into the water. Yeah. Don't reach into the. You plunge your hand into the water. <laughs> The chilly shock sends you numb instantly to the elbow. You withdraw your hand, but the skin is blue, and the icing numbness is crawling up past your shoulder now. 
Not just cold then, you think, a pity. Your helmet lamp grows dim and the stone grows distant. Your story will end here, unless you wish to start over. Mmm, chilly shock. Uh, I feel like we don't have the required item for this bit either. Okay, then we should do the um, eye hook, or whatever it is, and then the glimmer of light. Mm, glimmer of light ahead. <clears throat> the light brightens as you approach, though only in contrast to the stone darkness do you call it bright. Eventually you make out veins of crystal overhead, which shed the slow-flaring orange glow. No such phosphorescent missile, mineral is natural to the Earth's geology, you're sure. Is this at last the sign you've sought? The crystal veins join and knot as the ceiling rises until you walk in a wide cavern as well lit as your own study. But your study contains nothing like the shadows that rise ahead. Stalagmites cloaked in shifting darkness, no. Trees growing underground in the orange light. Surely only the arts of the lost peoples could nurture some such a thing here below the earth. An umbrella lies discarded, though neatly folded, at the subterranean forest eaves. Will you take the umbrella or advance into the forest? I just gotta say, this is pretty Minecrafty right here. Pretty Minecrafty. Uh, uh, let's... I don't think there are umbrellas in Minecraft yet. No, probably not. I was just thinking of growing trees underground by the aid of oh, artificial yeah. light. Um, let's take totally, the umbrella. Let's take the you umbrella. Totally, you totally didn't notice earlier when an oblong hissing shape walked towards you underground. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You pick up the umbrella. It's a nice, big, sturdy one. Why someone needed an umbrella underground, you have no notion. Um, maybe we can use it to float across that pool of death water. I, no? I'm not sure that that's how umbrellas work for anyone other than Mary Poppins. Oh, you mean like ups, like turn it upside down? And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mental image I had was of us holding the umbrella and <laughs> gliding above the pool of water. Well, if we could use the crowbar to get a little extra altitude first. In the meantime, there is still the, the forest option is open. You have not yet done that. Oh, let's do let's that. Let's do that. You move between the trees, and the orange light, thin-spread as it was, is quickly blotted out by overhanging branches. Only faint yellow gleams penetrate the foliage. It takes some time in this rediscovered gloom to realize that the glints among the foliage are paired, eyes in amber reflectance. You glance around nervously, and the eyes blink in unison all around you. Uh, will, will, will you move past the watchers or stand? Is this a, a smoke tube situation, do we think, Ryan? <gasps> smoke tube! Tube. <laughs> you crack the tube and smoke gushes everywhere, rolling between the trees, drifting into the foliage, and obscuring those yellow-watching pairs of eyes. Now, you dodge forward, hunching into the smoke, and run for your life. Well-smoked tube, Jenny. <laughs> the smoke brightens and thins, and you realize you've broken out into an open glade. The orange light of the cavern roof slants down. The watchers appear to have gone. In the center of the glade, a black crystal prism lies on a small pedestal. Is this what the forest guardians were protecting? Will you take the black crystal? Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Uh-oh. Yes, I know it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> you pick up the crystal prism and turn it in your fingers. This, no doubt, is some artifact of the lost. You have the rest of your life to discover its purpose. There is no more to be learned here. Let us start the story anew. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So what do we think that's the key for? The, could be the spaceship, 
could be the temple. You have an umbrella and a unique black crystal. Hmm. Um, I don't remember any other locked doors besides the spaceship and the temple. So yeah, so there's so we've got the spaceship, we've got the temple, and we've got the pit that yeah that we fell down that we fell down yeah um so maybe we could go to that pit and try the shoes. Do we still have the shoes? You do not have the you shoes. You do not have the oh. shoes. You have used the shoes. Like all shoes, <laughs> they're one-time only deals. <laughs> well, they weren't your size. They were they were child shoes. They do not That's, fit your feet. Um, then let's go to the temple and say, but we have a black crystal. Hmm, <laughs> you can try that. Okay. I'm feeling optimistic I, about it. Yeah. I honestly don't remember what the answer to that is. Um, crystal. You were not sure what the black crystal was for. Mm. Oh, okay. That's a true statement. Um, so what else? So we have... We have the crystal guess, and an umbrella, and we used our rope. Um, I guess we can restart and take the crystal to the uh, flying saucer or the flying subterranean saucer saucer was down canyon right um, right yes run from the, the, the creeper touch the panel <laughs> at the flying saucer and it still speaks in a language you don't know let's try the prism you can type the crystal, crystal. but yeah. you still are not sure what the black, black crystal is for. oh man okay well, I guess it's for something else. Um, oh, there's also, in things that we haven't figured out yet, there's how to stop from freezing with the water. Oh. Um, yeah. Do, do, can we inventory, please? And starting over, you have equipped yourself for this journey with an umbrella and a unique black crystal. Okay. Oh, okay. Everything else used. Um, heck and dang. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have no idea what the crystal does. It might do something with the water. It's not yeah. going to stop us falling down a pit. I don't think. How big is the crystal? <laughs> is it like the <laughs> diameter of the pit? It is uh, three inches across. I oh. rapidly invent Okay. <laughs> information for you. Um, let's then, then let's then uh, go to, let's go to the pit first to add to the drama when it turns out that it does work in the frozen pool. Okay. Or the super cooled pool. <laughs> that okay. is a super the, cool the, pool, it's true. Climbing down the pit first? Uh, yeah. So that's like down, down. Down, down. Now you are plunging through the darkness. Down, 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 oh. down, down. Doobie, doobie. Which roars at you and blurs past your flailing hands. Crystal. <laughs> crystal. You are not sure what the black crystal is for. Oh, wait! Umbrella! Umbrella. <clears throat> the notion is absurd, but do you have a better idea while plummeting to your death? No. You yank out your umbrella <laughs> and pop it open. Whoomp. The handle yanks you around hard. 
You crack your knee and shoulder against the rushing stone, but you hang on to the bumper chute, and somehow the roaring in your ears is decreasing. Yay. You cannot tell hey. in the dimness how much the umbrella slows your but when the bottom of the pit reaches up and smacks you, the impact is bruising, not fatal. You gather yourself up from a pile of stone slabs. No, stone tablets. Signs and diagrams are carved across their faces. Will you examine the tablets, or shall we start over? Oh, let's start it. No! <laughs> examine the tablets. <laughs> this is, it's a pacing thing, right? You want to give the author, a, you want to give the player a beat to, to act, even if there's only one good choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the tablets seem to show ritual poses. If you're understanding them correctly, they indicate different castes of society, priest, merchant, or explorer, speaker Ooh. to crowds, and each caste has its own set of postures and hand signs from low rank to high. You mull the diagrams and commit them to memory. These will certainly uh, warrant further study, but the immediate problem is to extricate yourself from this pit. That will be enough for now. Let's, let's um die and let's then start over. <laughs> let us leave that climb for another telling and start the story from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So you those have, from, have to get us into the temple. Yeah. You have, you have memorized a ritual sign. Great. Up, up. Atlante temple. Hmm. Sign. The face appears out as bland and mild, awaiting some sign, but you do not know what is expected of you. Sign. You take the postulant's pose. The woman behind the door nods without a word and closes her panel. You stand there, gazing at the great temple doors, unsure if they will open. There's a touch on your elbow. The woman is standing beside you. She gestures for you to follow around the side of the temple. The doors are very noisy, you know. We usually use the back gate. Will you follow her? Hello? Will you follow her? Oh, yeah, yeah I will follow uh, her. Yeah. I don't know about Jenny. Nah, I'm not feeling it. Okay. I go on without Jenny. Okay. Oh, wait, I'm coming. <laughs> You will pass into the temple and begin, rooting the deep, begin learning the deeper histories of Adelante, its origins, its languages, its secret knowledge, and its runes. The study will fill the remainder of your life. It will be a satisfying life, but you will never again leave Adelante's shores. You will now start the story from the beginning. The end. You have memorized the runes of Adelante. Okay, so we should be able okay. to go down the eye hook rope now. Yeah. Right. Pit. Descend past the hatch without considering its relationship to history anymore. Because we've done that. <laughs> and this is certainly what you were seeking, and you recognize the room forms of the language of Uabar. But that—that that is not the only system writing service. This is not the only writing system represented here. Half of the systems are unknown to you. Or are or they? Are they? Or are they? You recognize the room forms of Uabar and Atalante. This is certainly what you've been seeking, or an aspect of it at least. You trace the writings across the roll. You are not fluent enough to understand it all. You will certainly return here in the coming years to absorb it. But you grasp enough to follow the arguments around and around, around to a niche cunningly hidden in the chamber's floor. A glittering green glass egg rests within. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's probably for the super cool pool. You pick up the glass egg and turn it in your fingers. This, no doubt, is some artifact of the lost. You have the rest of your life to discover its purpose. There is no more to be learned here. You have equipped yourself with a unique black crystal and a curious glass egg. Okay. Yeah, I guess let's try it in the pool. Yeah. Pool up. Passage. Side. 
Mm, right, you are at the pool. Um, you want to try the egg? You toss the glass egg into the pool. It disappears with a bloop. Bloop. Success. Yay, we threw an <laughs> egg in some water. Now let's reach into the pool and die again. Yay. You reach into the pool and you die again, yes. Hmm. Um, undo, then use the crystal. Um, okay. Hang on. I, didn't, I did not actually type undo, but that's okay. Egg. Crystal. You do not, you're not sure where the black crystal is for. Huh. Well, I, I apparently am pretty sure what the egg is for. <laughs> for throwing in a pool and never seeing again? Yeah. Um... Heck. Wait, so did we start over and then still have the egg? Uh, I started over and then did the egg followed by the crystal. Um, but we started over after throwing the egg into the pool, oh, right? Oh, yes. When you start over, you, you continue to have the crystal and the egg in your inventory. They are not Okay. Up. Okay, great. Okay. Then we didn't do the right thing. That's not great. Maybe we reach in and then... But we didn't get the thing when we reached in. We just reached in and died. Yeah. Right. And we don't even know what it is in there. Yeah, it could just be a fish eye. Wouldn't that be disappointing? Yeah. Blind cave fish searching for eyes or a reason to have eyes. <laughs> I like the idea of something wanting a reason to have eyes. That's a quote. Ah. Huh. Yeah. From? From wizard people, dear readers. Okay. I should listen to that. It's an encyclopedic work. It has, uh, it applies to all situations. That's excellent. It's like Paradise Lost, but it's Harry Potter. So, um, let's, uh, let's take the egg to the UFO, because what else are you going to do? Egg to the UFO. Let's see. That's Down a good plan. Canyon. Canyon. Um, boy, right. Run. UFO. Uh, egg. And you roll the glass egg in your hand and then fling it down on the stone floor. It smashes satisfyingly into a heap of green glass splinters. The splinters begin continue to roil and shift, however. The heat begins to stretch into a sort of glass tendril which quests around feebly. Whatever it is seeking, it does not find. The tendril soon goes limp and slumps back into bits of glass. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a hint May for something. Um, could we touch the thing and then throw the uh, egg? Um. Uh, touch. It asks the question, egg, duh, no, nothing different. Say, oh, okay. The same thing happens. Hmm. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Just trying to help. <laughs> thank, thank you. That's appreciated. Uh, okay. So we have the egg and we have the crystal? Yes. And our mm. dead ends are... What was left at the canyon fork? Down canyon. That was where we got left. the rope, right? Uh, um, yes, this is the sinkhole with uh, um, the bottom of the sinkhole where you can see daylight above. Oh, okay. 
Let's throw the egg here, because we have to start over anyway. Okay. Throw the egg here. <clears throat> the splinters continue to roil and shift, however. They seem to be stretching upwards. No, they are stretching upwards Ooh. towards the light far above. Soon the heap of glass has grown into a vine-like sprout, two feet high, four feet high, higher than you can reach. Tendrils reach out and touch the sinkhole wall, and then the thing really gets going. When the crackling growth ceases, the vine runs all the way to the top of the sinkhole. Will you climb it? Yeah. That's a lot luckier than we usually get here on Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah, right. You touch the glass vine carefully. It's rough, but not glass sharp, and even slightly flexible, like a real vine, though you can see light glinting through it. You have plenty of time to admire the thing as you haul yourself up the sinkhole, of course. The climb is tiring, but quite easy. When you reach the top and pull your head above the lip, you are briefly disappointed. This is not the surface. You are at the bottom of a much larger pit, open to the sunlight and thick with foliage, but still well below ground level. Then you look around, and disappointment is driven from your mind. You're surrounded by mounds of gold, Ooh. or if not mounds, at least thick drifts. Shining gold coins lie everywhere, half buried in the mulch, overgrown by grass and saplings. Somewhere above, perhaps centuries ago, some tribe or nation or civilization must have used this crater for ritual sacrifice. Not of blood, but of treasure. Year after year, coins dropped into the depths. Or is that your own cultural projection? It could have been sport or challenge or the equivalent of a wishing well. One day you will know, or have a more informed guess, at least. In the meantime, you may take one coin as a souvenir. That seems oddly restrictive, but sure. Yeah. I bet we're supposed to throw this into the pool. Oh, okay. Mm. You select a golden coin. One face shows the face of the world seen from space, the other the outline of a hand surrounded by geometric runes. Well, and uh, now you can only start over from the beginning. I will start over then, you slave driver. Yes. <laughs> And you have equipped yourself for this journey with a unique black crystal and an old gold coin. Um, yes, let's to the pool, because I think Jenny's right. A la piscine! <laughs> coin. And you pull out the old gold coin with indecipherable markings. In for a penny, in for a priceless artifact of the lost, you think? <laughs> and toss the coin into the pool. The gold sinks, becoming only another glint in the depths. Then the water stirs. A fishtail flaps the surface, the fin of some long, golden, carp-like creature. Then, the fish doesn't speak. Fish can't talk. You definitely don't hear anything. But there is the sense of a word being pronounced, with precision and vast intent. When it is finished, indeed, while it is occurring, it is etched into your memory. The fish flips once again and disappears into the murk. That will be all from this pool, you decide. Shall we start the story over? Okay, that's got to okay. be what we need for the saucer. Yeah. You have memorized... You, you have a unique black crystal, and you have memorized an untranslatable word. Aboleths, probably. <laughs> uh, let's... Schadenfreude. Let's... Oh, shibboleth. <laughs> All right. um, I meant that the fish thing was an aboleth. Oh! oh. Mm, yes. I remember those. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the UFO. Go to the UFO. Will you touch the panel? Of course you will. I think so. <laughs> you say your name. Right. From somewhere within the software, a voice echoes in a language you have ever heard. There is a pause. The question is repeated. Word. Word. You place your hand against the outline and pronounce the word that you learned so long ago. 
The hatch does not open exactly, but when you look again, it's an open space and a curved ramp runs down from the space to the stone at your feet. You take it as an invitation. The interior of the saucer is a glass cocoon. It is difficult to focus on any part of the structure. Some aspects appear to be revolving around you, although you cannot be sure. What is clear is the pedestal in the center. It supports a faceted matrix of black crystal with a single polyhedral gap in its center. I wonder what is this the end of your story? For <laughs> Go on, I'm Some trying to drive suspense. Suspense. <laughs> do we still have our umbrella? <sighs> no, you do not have the umbrella. You guys are hilarious. <laughs> Put the crystal in the thing. Put the crystal in the thing. You slide the black, black crystal into the matrix. The pedestal retracts into the floor. You notice then, although you're not sure how long it's been, that the saucer's hatch is closed. The cocoon surrounds you entirely. It is not my intent, said Marco Polo to Kublai Khan, to complete this story. No, do not turn such a glance upon me. I have given you the necessities. You can continue the tale on your own, whether the saucer is a craft of travel between worlds, or a library of learning, or some other unfathomable instrument. I cannot presume to guess. I did not undertake this journey, these discoveries. You did, O Khan. Always it was you. The lost cities, Uabar, Atalante, some would number Xanadu among them, but do we not sit here in your stately garden? This is your cocoon, great Khan, your nest, your dome. I leave you now to make of it what you will. The story is over. Well. Well. We won. Yay! Yeah, we won. Or the Khan won. The Khan won. Cue theme music. <laughs> you have theme music, Chris. I don't know. Uh, so, um, uh, do we talk about it, or are you just basking your victory? Oh yeah, no, let's talk about it for sure. Let's talk about yeah, it since we've got you on the podcast. Were those the same non-linear aliens from Hadean Lands? Um, I had not started designing Hadean Lands at that point. Uh, I have like I, I like non-linear aliens. I think that's cool. Um, there is certainly, you know, I mentioned alchemy a couple of times and the idea of histories colliding and merging with each other in strange ways is partially the the same sort of inspiration existed in Hidian lands. It's actually, I I bet I was thinking, oh man, this is going to be a tangent and a half. There's, there's There's some really obscure Doctor Who fan books which get into how weird it is for Time Lords to exist. Like, really, how weird is that? They're like, they're these, this race of beings that control all of history at the same time. That's really a lot weirder than the TV show ever gets into. So some <laughs> of those ideas made it into here. I see. That was... I, th- I don't think that was the full yeah. tangent and a half. That was more like half a tangent. That was like an oh, eighth well, of a tangent. Sorry. I mean, I'm, so the books in question are called Faction Paradox. It's this really interesting thing. So when Doctor Who uh, went off the air the first time in the 90s, mm-hmm. there were novels, right? There was, there, were seri- there was a series of novels being published. Sure. Um, and those got stranger and stranger as some of the authors involved like, got into this notion of what is the great... That, that's actually where the, uh, the notion of the great time war came from that was picked up in the later TV show. But originally it was in these books that there, there was a great time war, and a time war involves two races of time-traveling beings beating the heck out of history and just like going back and changing it and changing it and changing it until nothing makes sense all across the entire universe. And that's, that's not just 
Like it's not just warfare. It's just not. It's not like like crashing your police box into a house and knocking it over. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. you know, it, it's disassembling the narrative of history into meaningless parts. Yes. And no, that's that's creepy. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is some creepy stuff in these books, um, and then then it got to be nineteen ninety six. So Fox did the the eighth Doctor TV movie, which was pretty bad. And uh, that series of books got the license pulled. Like, they lost the license to publish Doctor Who novels. Oh, wow. But they, they kept publishing. So then there was a series of licensed Eighth Doctor novels. But at the same time, the original books were still going on, and they just stopped mentioning the Doctor. Like, they were still writing stories uh. about some of their original characters, but they just stopped mentioning <laughs> Galfrey by name. Wow. They stopped mentioning the Doctor, but they're still, you know... Somewhere out there, there is a race of great beings who control history, and there are still time travel capsules. And somewhere out there, there is a renegade who is incredibly important to the history of the universe but never appears on stage. And it just got stranger and stranger until... um, Eventually, the books got weird enough that they weren't being published anymore in the main line, but the author was still like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, this is Miles Lawrence, or Lawrence Miles, I can never remember which way it goes. And he's like, yeah, we're going to just, I'm just going to keep writing these things. And he like invites in all his friends, and now they're writing books which are still, by descent, Doctor Who fanfic. Right? They're still Doctor mm, Who novels, yet. but all the terminology has changed. The entire <sighs> viewpoint of everything has changed. Um, there are, and it, it's, there's like universes crashing into each other and all, like, all these goofy ideas. Some of it is great. Some of it is really bad. Uh, I'm fascinated by the existence of this whole thing. Yeah. And so this I, is like, another I, situation where a wiki is too small. Mm. Yes. Um, so I bought, I bought the whole stack of novels a couple of years ago. They're actually still, like, they're still writing them. These people are still writing stories in this series. And it, it's absolutely gotten to the point where it's all metafictional because like obviously all of time lord technology is narrative technology it's about meaning it's not about you know physics and you know a a tardis is a strand of history that has that has been narratively detached and is able to fling you into other kinds of stories that's what a tardis is in addition to being a terrifying war machine that can erase anybody's existence and is also by the way sentient which if you think about it it's also terrifying <laughs> so anyway i i was uh sufficiently amused to throw the idea of colliding histories into this and it kind of also went to yeah there there that's your tangent oh that's really cool yeah uh thank you for <laughs> being on the podcast yeah thank you for being on the podcast can i um can i provide context for edgar Allan poe as a homosexual oh um, i suppose we should yes, how, we don't how have much context could that possibly need <laughs> so i'm this might be apocryphal but the way i remember the story is that my friend zach went to the wikipedia article for edgar Allan poe one time, and someone had edited it so that the entirety of the article about Edgar Allan Poe was, Edgar Allan Poe was a homosexual. <laughs> no, I think it said, is a homosexual. <laughs> so it was just completely not factual in any way. 
Um, okay. That's probably still reflected in the page history. Yeah. Oh man, that's true. <laughs> that's that's the thing is uh, wikis are able to contain this type of super information uh, by having page histories. And if we could, um, if we could digitize the history of uh, insane Doctor Who fan fiction or um, mystery hunt teams in yeah. that way. No, no. Now I'm getting the idea. Now I want to write a story which is entirely contained in the page history of oh, a Wikipedia page. That's cool. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. Yeah. Yeah, put that in your idea notebook. Do you have an idea notebook? Um, yes, but it's not like I, I have more ideas that never went into the notebook because the notebook got large enough that it was depressing me. So, <laughs> some I, Now I just throw ideas into the back of my head and they float around and sometimes they come out. Yeah, that's probably a good Jenny, idea. Do you have an idea notebook? I don't have an idea notebook. Um, and every time I find an idea that I've written down, I no longer have any idea what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That can be helpful. I have not found that to be helpful. Do you have an idea okay. notebook, Ryan? Um, I don't have... I have uh, separate notebooks for ideas that are actually being developed, but for uh, ideas that uh, are not big enough to have their own notebooks no okay i mean i have a notebook that i carry around but it mostly like contains me writing the same word over and over again i've been a bad bad boy (laughs) um i have some of them here and i will read you a selection i can i can hear the sound of notebooks being pulled out (laughs) it's a very specific sound um Let's see, a list of Hitchcock movies. Um, Fresh Pressed Tortillas. <laughs> the Talking Heads. Put in a Stint. Clam Chowder. <laughs> Felt Tipped Pen. Gilligan's Island. Cloven Hooves. Taco Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Daffy Duck. Chocolate Milk. Bowling 300. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. This is great. So there, are, there's a 3x3 three three grid of squares. Um... Reading from left, right, top to bottom. Skeleton. Blood Waterfall. Headless Dolls. Cuckoo Clock. Terror Disc. That's the center one. (laughs) Uh, Meat Grinder. Optical Illusion. (laughs) Snakes. And Pursued by Stranger. And the boxes containing Skeleton and Cuckoo Clock have a line connecting them. So yeah, this is a fascinating yet incomprehensible glimpse into your process. Yeah, some drawings of dinosaurs. I have a uh, a map here of all the uh, relationships or the romantic relationships on Twin Peaks. Mm. Um, and uh, Lana is in her name is in the heart with a bunch of lines sticking out of it, and. Uh, here it says chocolate milk, Daffy Duck, clam chowder, Pulp Fiction again. Hmm. So it's uh, yeah. If you could get your hands on this, uh huh, you would be just as confused <laughs> as you are right now. As all three of us, yeah. Yeah. What I'm getting is that you wanted some chocolate milk. Could be. Oh, here's a poem I wrote. 
We will end this podcast, unless we think of something else to say, with a poem I wrote. Please do. Tiger, tiger, perfect stripes in the bottom of the stripes. Who could slice up with its paw, reading backwards, perfect stripes?